Today on Never Was a Gamer, I'm the strongest woman in the world. Welcome to Never Was a Gamer, the show where a late-blooming gamer makes up for lost time playing everyone else's formative games. I'm Michelle, and with me as always is my mirror match, my forever rival, Dimitri. Hello. I don't see how I'm much of a mirror match. It must have been, I don't know, botched Shang Tsung magic or something. (laughs) Would you say our skills are close at this point? Closer than they were, for sure. Thank you. Yes. You are much better at these games than I am. (laughs) I've had a lot more practice. (laughs) Which, as predicted. But yeah, we played some fighting games, we played Mortal Kombat, we played Street Fighter, Mm -hmm. and today Michelle is going to settle an almost 30-year dispute after having played these games for a few hours. It's finally going to be settled. Yep, this was all just waiting for me personally to weigh in, (laughs) (laughs) which I'm now prepared to do. Yeah, so not only was this Michelle's first taste of Street Fighter and, and Mortal Kombat, but as we mentioned last time, these were really, apart from Smash Bros., her first foray into fighting games, and definitely her first traditional 2D fighting games. Yeah, and I think one of the things that surprised me about this is uh, some of this was really fun. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I I mean, I it's not that I thought it would be miserable, but I, that sounds like a low bar, but I mean... One of the most pleasant surprises is um, I sat down with Street Fighter first. Uh, you know, we had to pick one to go first. Um, so that was Street Fighter. And, you know, it was like probably under half an hour until I was at the point where I was like laughing and yelling at the TV and like really just engrossed in it and like still learning and still thinking a lot, but also just like playing it. Uh, like, I feel like I got to that stage of having fun much faster than I thought I would. Yeah, to be honest, I was pleasantly surprised by how quickly you picked these up and just kind of gave yourself over to them. I was, I think, anticipating more of a period of frustration as you were trying to figure out the moves. and <laughs> uh, But you really just jumped right in and just kind of felt around and, and figured out how to fight with the skills you had and then built on those slowly. Yeah, I, I mean... Say, and then... Nope, that's fair. Leave it in. <laughs> it's true. He's right. It was slow. <laughs> Sorry, that was rude. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's accurate. Um, Certainly, I it's not that there was no frustration. We'll certainly get to that. But honestly, the environment I was playing in, I think, kind of helped how easy it was to get going. I mean, just to set it up, uh, we should probably say I spent a little bit of time just, you know, sort of learning basics with the first character and then played tournament mode um, for like a good couple of hours, like beat it a couple times. Um And then we also played some verses against each other. Yes. And to be clear, because I think this might um, come up later, you beat tournament mode on Street Fighter. Yes, correct. Not necessarily in Mortal Kombat. Correct. Um, Yeah, (laughs) fair. Yeah, I think part of that actually, uh, the environment where I was playing, it was a real big contributing factor. I don't know if I've ever had the experience before of starting to play a game, especially one that's way outside my wheelhouse and takes a little bit of figuring out. In a space with so many other people in it, which is kind of funny because it it like in some ways made me think back about like the arcade experience of of learning stuff, even though we were. So we had gone to visit Dimitri's family. We They live in a place that has no active COVID right now. We got tests beforehand and we're negative. So we were doing it fairly safely. We got tested and positive and we decided to go. Yeah, and like, <laughs> we hate him. <laughs> oh. 
No, I'm sorry. So we went. And so uh, I was learning this game in an environment where, you know, Dimitri was there for a lot of it, but also both of his brothers at different times, like, stroll through, watch me for 10 minutes, like, kick in, like, tips or comments or whatever, and then and then kind of pass, which on paper is exactly the kind of thing that I never want to do in my entire life. But it ended up being so fun. <laughs> Much friendlier than the the common arcade. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that's true. But, it, but I think you're right that that is part of that experience that was captured. Because uh, I definitely remember, at least when I was younger, going to the arcades, and especially if I was picking up a new game, really feeling self-conscious of other people who were around. Because yeah. you really don't have time to learn it. Yeah. And then, I mean, and it's expensive if you really want to learn right. it. <laughs> but yeah, just a phenomenon of people watching you play and play something that you're just picking up and not familiar with it, it is kind of terrifying whether you know the people or not yeah i thought about this so much honestly um because you know you die a lot especially at the start obviously i do not understand how anyone ever got to be good at these games during the stage when they were in the arcade because <laughs> i imagine like having to put in money every time you right. lose and then also you know, so many of the stories I've heard about arcades have, you know, people with lines where you when you lose, you go to the back of the line or you put your quarter on the you know, to hold a spot. So especially if you're not immediately jumping back in, like if you have to wait a couple minutes to get back to the front to be a challenger, like when you're learning, it's really helpful to just immediately jump back in, just go again, right. just yeah, like yeah. drill it, figure it out, iterate on what you're doing and just get better. Like the idea that anyone got to really, really good at this in a public <laughs> forum where it was costing them money is like wild. <laughs> and on top of that, I'd say it was pretty fun playing it against you. That's the way these games are meant to be played. And I think we did have a really good experience. And by the end, we, we there was kind of equal competition. Mm -hmm. I mean, at first, at least on Street Fighter, we'd um, use the handicap mode yeah. so that we could balance each other out. But the, by the end, we were playing on the same on the same level. Yep. And uh, and it was competitive. Yeah, definitely got there with Street Fighter, I'll say, much better. Pretty much all our Mortal Kombat battles, you were still like wrecking me pretty quickly, I would say. It is. And I, I don't think I realized this and it didn't reflect my memory of it, but it's probably because I picked it up the same time as other people. But it is definitely the less pick up and play of the two. Yes. Uh, I mean, we'll definitely talk about that in the criteria that I established <laughs> in the first okay. episode. I also think I probably learned more from playing with you than I did even against the computer. But unlike the computer, generally, you would, when I had specific vulnerabilities or things I wasn't being careful about, you would, <laughs> we could say punish, we could say teach. So I'm thinking, for example, of you playing M. Bison in Street yeah. Fighter <laughs> and just doing that every time I, I fell, just doing that slide kick into me <laughs> as I'm coming out of it and just stun locking me in it and so I couldn't get up and so eventually you like train me that I'm like okay every time I go down I gotta be in that low block gotta coming right out of it block. right yeah. into the block otherwise we're gonna be taken out and it's like it's frustrating for a second until you figure out how to deal with it and then you sort of retain that I mean also to be fair leg sweep stuff of any kind <laughs> is, both is a life skill <laughs> Yeah. And, and I mean, that's one of the first things you kind of learn, <laughs> even when I was learning, like in, in Street Fighter, yeah, which characters you can, you can exploit with, um, like Bison's, yeah, Bison's sliding kick, how you can exploit that and learn how to time it properly to just catch people exactly right they're, as, as they're, they're landing. <laughs> um, and yeah, and same in Mortal Kombat, how to just spam the sweep. It's, 
it's a brutal technique. It's a technique you need to master if you want to beat the stupid AI. <laughs> yeah, I a couple times coasted through the bottom couple rung ladders, rungs of the ladder in Mortal Kombat just by yep. sweep spamming. But yeah, I've had countless human to human fights with my cousin where they were just oh, no. sweep fights, just bleh, 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 <laughs> and just try to catch each other in the sweep. Because yeah, once you get in, uh, once you get somebody caught in, it's really hard for them to get out. It's brutal. And yeah, you have to learn how to how to how to block <laughs> against it. Same in Street Fighter, you have to learn how to mitigate those attacks, those exploits. Yeah. Because I will use them. He sure <laughs> will. Yeah. So how did it feel for you to be on the other end of cheesing? Uh, I mean, I the the whole kind of point of this is that most of them you could figure out how to deal with, and so it just was a matter of. Getting that, getting that thing perfected. They're still cheap tricks. They're, well, yes. I mean, but I, I understand that the cheesing and the cheap tricks are kind of part of the, part of the joy, the joys that there are <laughs> in these games. Yeah, it it uh, it took me a while to really get a lot of the special moves down, and a thing that stayed persistently hard with me. I don't know if this is just like how my brain works. But one of the things that was like a significant part of my experience with these games was uh, trying and largely failing to drill their special moves into my head. So like even as I got to the point where I sort of had characters I was really comfortable with and I could do their special moves pretty consistently, I still every time I would change characters or definitely whenever we switched games, I would I would feel like I had forgotten everything and have to look up their combos again. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I mean, it was pretty unfair to you to swap games like that. I mean. If you're in the ecosystem of one game, you get to a point where you get the feel for a game and you understand how the special moves work and you can mm -hmm. pretty much, you'll either remember or you'll know that there are certain combinations of button presses that are more likely to produce right, certain right. types of moves for each game. Right. But yeah, swapping between them like that when you're just learning is actually pretty cruel. So <laughs> you're a good, <laughs> you did really well considering that you were up against this really hard task of <laughs> completely having to swap your brain to how those two games work. I just, I could not, I could not remember like specific character to character. And then once I would like do them once, I'd be like, okay, got it back. Got it. Got it. Got and it. the thing that I kept thinking, and it was kind of satisfying for me to see how much you struggled with remembering the button presses because you're always <laughs> so snarky whenever you see somebody on TV <laughs> struggle with like dance choreography. Yeah. You're always like, how can they not pick up the choreography? Choreography is <laughs> so easy because you used to be a dancer. And then it's like, oh, how can you not remember three button presses? Three I know you so loved ma you you loved making that point in the moment, and I see it's no less fun for you now. <laughs> no, it's it's really fair. It's just like, does your brain work in this way, or does your brain work in this way? My brain does not want to remember the difference between like down quarter turn to the left strong punch versus like back 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 mid punch versus whatever. Like it just that combinations of the same di four directions and buttons is like, I'm never going to be able to remember all those differences. I mean, once you start playing these games enough, and I think you were getting there with Street Fighter, you start to realize that actually those commands are not arbitrary. They actually, in a lot of cases, map onto the mm -hmm, thing you're actually mm -hmm. doing. And so once you kind of realize that and get a feel for the different characters, sometimes it'll just come back to you. Like it's a, it's a bit of muscle memory, but it also makes sense within the logic of the game. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know... Uh, for example, with um, with different people's projectiles, uh, you know, sometimes it's charge something up. Sometimes it's like back, 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 like forwards, you know. Well, that's there's between some the two games. Yeah, yeah. But there's there's some variation. Right. Uh, but basically in, basically in Street Fighter, you either have 
Yeah, you either have characters whose moves are based around kind of directional rotation, mm-hmm. or you have ones who are charged characters. Right. And so once you know, okay, this character is this type, you can usually logic your way around the mm-hmm. moves once you get used to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, th- and this also relates to something you brought up last time, how one of your big goals by the end of this was to get over the button matching yes. Yes, yes, yes. strategy that you had in your youth, I guess, whenever you did dabble <laughs> with these games. Intel two weeks ago <laughs> yeah and so do you feel do you feel like you're still a button masher or do you feel like you're no longer a button masher and now you're a i don't know what the opposite is like a, a strategic player maybe a tactician yeah, um, tactician i'm not i'm less of a button masher than i've ever been but not not entirely um and i think that's i think that's probably fair uh so i think certainly with street fighter certainly with the couple of characters that i mostly played cuz you, know, you sort of settle into picking your couple that mm-hmm. are going to be i definitely have a main um i did get comfortable enough with them and particularly in mixing up special moves with regular moves and uh, you know watching your your opponent learning to focus on your opponent was a really big thing uh as opposed to getting too hung up on like executing what you're imagining doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say I definitely got closer than I think I've ever been at Street Fighter to being a skilled competent. Okay, so when we're talking about Street Fighter then, one question I have I have for you that we'd never really talked about, and I'm curious to know how, you, how you'd respond, was were you able to identify anything about my fighting style and exploit <laughs> that? Like, what was your strategy to fight me? So... My strategy to fight you was to not let you get into a position of aggression with me, um, because if I do, you'll you like you'll just go ham. So basically, most of the rounds that I have won against you, especially when you've been really trying, are ones where I was kind of able to pin you against a side of the screen mm-hmm. and like keep you keep you from responding too much. So I had to play pretty defensively with you, I'd say, but also waiting for openings where I can like really where I know I'm going to be able to knock you down, pressure you to one side of the stage and then like really get you there. Um I would say the one thing that I definitely noticed about your playstyle is that if something works once, you will try it again almost immediately. <laughs> so and, you know, this is like the other side of that thing where, you know, I generously feel like you were trying to teach me to like watch my, you know, watch my angles or whatever. Um, but yeah, if if you executed something on me that worked well, it's coming back within the next like 10 or 15 seconds, like right away. <laughs> I mean, 10 or 15 seconds in the in the context yeah, of yeah. these fighting game rounds is actually an eternity. Whatever a short time is. <laughs> But I did actually notice that from you. So to go back to when, when you were fighting me when I was M. Bison, mm-hmm. M. Bison, who's a who's a charged character, and I often want to charge up his psycho drill move where he just kind of, this is that bolt of electricity across the screen. Yeah. He like, you know, dives his body it, across yeah. the screen. Yeah. And there'd be moments when I'd be charging and I, I just wouldn't charge enough or just wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to pull it off. And in those moments, I, I noticed and I recognized that you noticed that I was trying to do this. I missed, and you were able to exploit that yep. right away. Yeah, which was really impressive. By the end, that like that split second, and you knew he was going for this. I was preparing for that. Yeah, he messed up. Now he's gonna it's get go kicked. time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, is he gonna get kicked? Yeah, I mean, also, I'm pretty proud of how few times you successfully hit me with that attack. <laughs> like, I even had an incredibly high success rate of dodging that. I think. Yeah, you were getting really good at learning the other your opponent's moves and, mm-hmm. and learning the timing of those moves yeah because yeah the first time we played i could just hit you with that whenever yeah. 
Yeah. And then eventually you realized um, you figured out the timing. You're able to dodge it all the time. Yeah, we we had a lot of fun uh, volleys like back and forth from one side of the screen to the <laughs> other. And those were was just like you torpedoing from side to side and me following you and getting a few hits in. So, yeah, that ended up being really fun. So we're talking a lot about your specific experiences with Street Fighter and not so much with Mortal Kombat. And I think there's a reason for that. I think that um, you went into these games expecting to like Mortal Kombat more, expecting yeah. that to be the one that kind of meshed with with you more. But I think at the end of the day, you had a much better feel for Street Fighter. Absolutely. So I'm wondering maybe if you could try to articulate what the differences are for you between those two games and why you think you were drawn to Street Fighter over Mortal Kombat when that's not what you were expecting. Yeah. I found Street Fighter so much more welcoming as a beginner than Mortal Kombat. I mm. found that um, their difficulty, Street Fighter's difficulty controls allowed me a much more a much more space to practice, much more breathing room. Um, I think the lowest level difficulty of Street Fighter is much, much easier than the lowest level of Mortal Kombat. Right. And so again, we're really benefiting from playing the home versions where you have control over the difficulty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But even, yeah, then Street Fighter... We played Street Fighter 2 and Super Street Fighter 2, and they both le- really let you fine-tune the difficulty. Yeah, I think you have like an eight or nine-point scale in, in Street Fighter 2. And so I was able to start right on one. And at that point, uh, you you have room to fight slowly and try your moves and not always mm-hmm. be able to launch them, but still sort of get through and like be competitive with the computer, at least until you get to the bosses, and then it pushes you a little bit. And, and that all just a lot gave me time to get a toehold around how to move my character and how to respond to things especially when you're also meeting the new the other characters fighting styles for the first Mm. time like you when you don't know what's coming yet you actually have a little space to react to them whereas Mortal Kombat especially when I was um first first picking it up I found that even even on very easy like characters were immediately right in my face immediately pressuring me and so there there wasn't it was so hard to to get just a toehold at the very beginning with Mortal Kombat. And I think the patterning that you alluded to in particularly the Street Fighter, sort of different types of moves there are, really does help you get get a grip and have some consistency in, in being able to pick up and adapt to different characters. Mm-hmm. I found it much easier to switch yeah. in Street Fighter, which also in some ways made it more fun because I felt, you know, much less... I played around with more characters in in Street Fighter. I found it fun to fight as more characters in Street Fighter, mm. and I think I like in the end that um, their their fighting styles are more like I mean they're embellished. It's a fighting game, but they're more like human fighting styles. Like the thing that I thought would work for me, which is the sort of like outlandish mm-hmm. or exagger or heightened elements of Mortal Kombat, ended up like not being quite as as much of a of a hook for me as I thought they were going to be. Yeah, I haven't played these two back to back in a long time. And like I said before, in when I was younger, I'd always play these games back to back. And I don't know if it stood out as much then how much more fluid Street Fighter is than mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat and how Mortal Kombat has this staccato style. Yes. Where, yeah, it's like very jittery and like the motions that you have to put in. There are some kind of quarter circles, but yeah. a lot of them are like back, back, B. Yeah. Um, right. Just kind of like direction, 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 button. Yeah. Instead of a fluid motion. Um, and even how the characters move and act, they also are are very staccato in that way. So you get into that thing. It happens so many times. I saw you have to struggle with it and it brought back just these memories of this <laughs> torture from my youth when the AI will just like get you locked in high punch. Yeah. 
and just like stun lock yep. you with their high punches and they're just like bam 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 yeah and and again like because it's so unfluid it's like there's nothing you can really do to escape <laughs> yeah. um and even trying to get up your block is difficult yeah yeah i felt the exact same way i was kind of shocked and definitely surprised by how little fun i had yeah playing mortal Kombat 2 which was at one point my favorite game that's wild um and I think I could still have fun with it. And I think part of the reason I didn't have as much fun with it was because I saw that you weren't having fun with it. And it was harder <laughs> for you to kind of get up to yeah. the speed where it could be really competitive. Yeah. But I don't think that's you. I think that's the game. And if I wanted to choose a game, I, even if so let's say you are equally good at both of them, I mm -hmm. think I'd want to play you in Street Fighter. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that all makes sense. I think in Mortal Kombat, also in, in terms of how, how it felt to play... I never quite got to the stage in Mortal Kombat. Maybe I could have, but I, I didn't, where I really felt like my um, my basic hand-to-hand -hand combat was integrating well with my special moves. Mm, like mm -hmm. I always, it felt like I was either doing some hand-to-handy stuff or I was creating space so that I could try to get off one of my specials, whereas Street Fighter much more, there's a lot of cool stuff you can get off from from up close. There's It, it just, it felt like, it felt like it, all the special moves grew out of the way I was already fighting as opposed to mm -hmm. it like punch, punch, kick. Like, okay, and now I, I separate so that I can attempt <laughs> to do my forward, forward, loca and to do, you know, like. Yes, yes, I know exactly what you're And then it you feels mean. robotic. It feels like I'm programming a figure that's doing something as opposed to just being it and playing it and doing those motions. I think you're going to roll your eyes at this but one of the things that really jumped out at me at these games is how much key how much key content is uh sort of don't don't even don't say it extrinsic to the game itself okay like in a manual oh, god <laughs> what how were you still surprised mad. that it's important wild. content is in the manual at this no, but point it's like you, in the show. Okay, so here's... <laughs> but Okay, but think back to this being an arcade game, for example, where like, is the arcade cabinet packaged with a manual that Actually, teaches you? Um, so not in Mortal Kombat. There were definitely versions of Street Fighter. I don't know which ones, but there were definitely versions of the cabinet that were painted with the moves, some of the moves on them. Now that is interesting. I did not know that at all. Yeah, so it did kind of come packed with this little this little manual, this little guide. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, you learn the moves somewhere else in a magazine, and uh -huh. then you bring that knowledge to the arcades, and you can show them off and really impress everybody because they're pretty much secrets. Right. Yeah, I guess, and the secrets are are a huge pleasure, especially in Mortal Kombat. I think, and again, a lot of that stuff, it's like I would never figure out how to like get this to happen or really be able to understand who this guy yelling toasty is Isn't that, i mean you still don't know that that's not in the manual <laughs> right but it just there's there's so much of um of the interpretive and playing tools for these games is elsewhere it is in the heads of other people or it is on the internet now or in manuals and magazines then um it just that's not that's so far outside how games work in like my era i know you're just spoon fed everything these days <laughs> You're so Entitled spoiled. Entitled yeah. But like on the flip side, and I get that it probably sounds ridiculous to you, especially when you think about it in the context of these games that you're paying for every time you, you need to You see why this is play. weird to me, right? But 
I don't think I can communicate how cool it was to see a move executed that you didn't even know existed. Yeah, that makes sense. And then to wonder, how did this person do that? And (laughs) if you are that person to feel so self-satisfied because you have this knowledge. And again, this is something that does establish those barriers. And it is a form of gatekeeping. And it is a form of kind of this quote unquote gamer knowledge that does exclude some people. Yeah. And it's weird because on on the one hand, I see why that's cool completely. Like I see why that's exciting and it makes you feel like there's so much more of the game that, you know, if I didn't know this exists, who knows what else I don't know? Who knows how many other moves there are? Yeah, that's it. These games are so full of potential and possibility. Yeah. Not even knowing if there was a secret character, who those characters were, if you can unlock them. That's what I miss so much from games now. And I think there's a way to still imbue games with that while still making them more accessible to people. Mm-hmm. And and but I I feel like we've swung so far in the other direction. Right. That everything and this isn't even the data miners problem. Like it's not even their fault. No, this is tutorial. In so many cases like we're just given everything up front. I mean related to that I can imagine especially back in the day how fun it must have been to like <laughs> so one thing to launch a special move that some kid didn't know existed on purpose and feel smug but oh, yeah. i bet also you would like rip one off and be like oh i have no idea <laughs> that, that that's the other thing whoa what did you do <laughs> when button mashing just turns into something, into something amazing yeah. <laughs> sometimes yeah but i do get your point that there is so much that you have to bring in from outside these games to really enjoy them to their fullest yeah and i i just think that's one of the that's one of the biggest um things that I feel just so far removed from based on, I guess, when I got back into games. And we're back. So on our last episode, before we left off, Michelle took a look at the character rosters for both of these games and decided which character she was going to pick. And she made (laughs) two fantastic choices. (laughs) E-Honda for Street Fighter. Yes. And then I think infamously, you chose Baraka (laughs) for Mortal Kombat 2. But let's start with E-Honda, the, I think, safer choice. (laughs) Yeah, I I would say in my defense that I basically liked E-Honda. He did not end up being my main, but he was not a wild person to pick. I like, I continue to like that he's enormous. (laughs) He has some satisfying up-close moves, which is great um, and suits me very well, including one that can basically come from button mashing, which made him a very easily adapted his slap move his, yeah his which famous slap move yeah it's a great move but honestly it's helpful if you're someone who's trying to who likes whose instinct is to button match right. to have yeah, that yeah. turned into something so he also becomes so much more useful or that move becomes so much more useful in super street fighter 2 where you can move while doing it yeah being able to advance towards your opponent while doing that is very powerful yes and very scary to be on the receiving end <laughs> i bet <laughs> I also honestly, I kind of like his character. Like he's in his um his up close victory screens. He looks like the scary face of like Booster from Super Mario RPG. <laughs> like he's he's got this like really kind a little bit monstrous 
vibe. Um, and I like his backstory is that he is entering this contest because he feels that sumo wrestling has been disrespected and he wants to restore it and affirm it as a great martial art. He He's like standing up for his art and, and defending it. And honestly, I really like that as a backstory in this world. And you know, you you connected with him so much that you easily dismissed him for Chun-Li shortly after. Sure did. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. Chun-Li is too good. So one of the things that came up quickly with E-Honda is that and I think even you remarked on this. You were like, wow, you're really jumping around a lot with e <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I spent a lot of my time airborne, which means that as soon as I eventually gave in and switched to Chun-Li, I was like, ooh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. No surprise. E-Honda, not the most aerial-based character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were like, maybe you should try someone else. Um, so I, I did end up switching to Chun-Li, who absolutely became my main. There's a There's a fair number of others that I played at least a little bit of and had a good time with. But definitely whenever I'm, you know, playing you where I really want to win, <laughs> I'm going to pick up Chun-Li. Yeah, I don't know if I fought you as anybody but Chun-Li. Yeah, that's because it's serious business. Which is annoying because she's my main. <laughs> well, shame that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so it, it's interesting too because uh, there were particular characters that gave me particular trouble as like E-Honda versus Chun-Li. Um, like Ken and Ryu were continually difficult for me. What was it about them that made them difficult? Uh, they stunlocked me a fair bit. I don't know. They just seemed like. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? They would, they would. So not quite stunned. They, they would keep hitting me with, with stuff that knocked me down and I just like couldn't get back up and again. And you'd be in the stunned state? Yeah. Sometimes I'd be in the dizzy state, but really what I mean is that they would knock me down as I'm getting up. They're already coming in with something else um, mm. that I wasn't properly defending against, and it would vary, and I just would keep getting knocked down, never, never really mm. back up and, and in my fight. I'm I'm with Jen Lee consistently much better when I can be the aggressor. Mm -hmm. Like, I have to get into that aggressive posture or I really am going to struggle. <laughs> yeah, one thing you learned with Chun Li pretty quickly, and this was something that was not even built into the game, at least the original Street Fighter 2, that was kind of accidental, is that just based on how the animations work, you could kind of chain two moves together to create a combo. Yeah. And that's something that was completely accidental to the game and, and players just found out they can do and has now become part of the game. And I, and I mean, you kind of picked up on that pretty much immediately where you mm -hmm. learn the timing for one move and realize that you could follow that up with another move. And if you timed it right, your opponent couldn't defend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was huge. That was huge. Um, but Ken and Ryu persistently are the most annoying ones to fight in, in Street Fighter. So since you spent the most time with Chun-Li, I'm wondering, what do you think as a character are her strengths and weaknesses? Um, I don't think I have punched with Chun-Li <laughs> in... Since like the first couple rounds that I had with her, why even she could not have arms and it would make no <laughs> wow. except except for blocking. Um, I think Chun Li's ranged attack I find less useful. Um, right, it doesn't. It's very go the, slow. It's very slow. It doesn't even go the distance of the screen. Yeah, I mean she didn't even have that in Street Fighter Two. That was an addition later mm. to give her a projectile. Yeah, so that's certainly not the biggest strength. Um, she's she's very quick. Uh, her <laughs> big jumps. <laughs> um, I even even some of her other like high impact attacks, like the thing where she goes upside down and spins. That's like pretty easily blocked by anyone mm. who like basically knows what they're doing. Um, 
So I think I think a lot of her stuff that takes a lot of preparation is not as strong as some other characters. But I think her real strength is like if you want to get up close and personal and just go hog wild on somebody, Chun Li is about as good as it gets. Yeah, and you love using her lightning kick. Oh, I love it. Making... It looks so it looks so good. Mm-hmm. It feels so good. It has big satisfying damage like it's just good one of the things i was really surprised by is that you don't use her ability to wall jump that much she's no one of two characters the other being vega in super street fighter 2 who can who can wall jump to get out of situations and and that's a kind of versatile move and based on how much you like being in the air i'm surprised you didn't really make use of it instead you kind of were always moving forward (laughs) well because i'm trying to get at you (laughs) (laughs) i mean Partially, I I often forgot that I could do that in truth until I would do it by accident once and then be like, oh, God, right. Um, But also, I think that's a function of me trying to get back into do get that reversal, get back on top of whoever I'm fighting and and be pressuring them into a corner. Um, So that's probably why you didn't see me do that too much. So that's your that's really who you played in Street Fighter. Let's talk about Mortal Kombat. Let's start off with Baraka. Oh, boy. I Baraka, I was rooting for you, buddy. I I wanted to be into this. I I I gave him a real sincere college try, and then dropped him so quickly. <laughs> I don't I don't even know if I consider that the college try. He was. I think you might have played three matches, with and that him. was like absolutely not, <laughs> absolutely not. You know, there's some things. I think his uh, his high punch swipe thing with the blade is pretty satisfying. Um, but it just doesn't come together. It's just not, not useful. He does. He's not versatile. Like it, it just didn't feel good. It didn't feel good. I didn't like it. I didn't like being Baraka. He's got that weird stance where his arms are up like a monster. Like, yeah. Like he is a monster. But like, like a spooky Scooby-Doo monster. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing with Baraka, and especially cause you like kind of flipping and doing aerial moves, his, his kind of aerial kick where he kind of goes all flat. Yeah. Is very annoying and it's very hard to actually execute and yeah. to feel satisfied kind of executing aerial attacks with him because it just like goes all straight. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I ever really got any of his special moves working in a way that I felt really good about. And that's a deal breaker. Like- right. Because he's got for his. So he has this move that's really effective if if uh, if an opponent's coming towards you and you can pull off the move and he just kind of like massacres you with his blades like yeah. just like it's it's almost like the blade version of the e honda slap attack yeah something like, like that <laughs> but but for his it's actually three so you have to go back 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 and then i yeah. think the low punch to do it which is kind of an extra move then usually you have to punch and i was noticing on your on your part that by the time you'd input that you've already gotten yeah, exactly hit. i i tried to do that all the time because in general i like having a move that is that you can input while reversing mm-hmm. while an opponent's coming at you that's really useful because you're you're keeping space between you and and the other fighter and then you're gonna get something off um but i just i could not make it happen um like when i did it was really satisfying but it just it was i was spending so much brain power trying to get those things to work that i wasn't just fighting so i abandoned him um, I tried Scorpion for a bit uh, because I remembered him being the guy that I played when I was <laughs> when I was a kid because of his get over here move. Um, but I, again, I, I just it just wasn't clicking. I ended up landing on Melina again, stealing one of my mains. My mains are Melina and Katana. I I don't know if I even tried Katana. I just oh man, Katana is so good. I, I bet. I think like Melina. 
I was sold on once I realized her movement options. Like I think mm-hmm. in Mortal Kombat, much more than in Street Fighter, having some weird movement tricks in your arsenal was really important for me in a character. And in that game, they're almost always tied to your special moves. Like yeah. That is your movement options yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah. She does have some great moves. Yeah, Melina, I I really, really appreciated her her movement one is like you just appear through the floor and then come like flip, come soaring down through the ceiling at the same point. And and right in the over head. right in the head. It's right the up best, top. It's the best move. You can spam that. Uh you can beat Kintaro using that move, spamming that move. It's one of the most useful moves in the game. Yeah. It gets you out of a lot of predicaments. <laughs> yeah. She's also great because she has the charge move for her size. So to, yes. to do her projectile, you hold high punch for a few seconds and let go and she'll and she'll throw it. But so yeah, you can always be charging that. You can throw them from jumping in the air, you can throw them from the ground. So again, really versatile with her projectiles. Yeah. Although I for some reason I charging moves I continue to struggle with in both games for the entire thing. Mm. Like I think because I feel like I'm always like moving and responding to things, I just never feel like there's space to charge. And I think I never was able to internalize the fact that you can charge while doing other stuff. It goes back to Super Metroid, the first game we played for the show where my only piece of advice was always be always charging be your charging. beam and you never were charging no, your beam. No, thank you. <laughs> you yeah. just can't. Yeah, you're just not programmed to charge while doing other things. Which is weird because like when I'm playing lots of other games like RPGs and stuff, I can hold the run button and run around. <laughs> to do it. Like there's other instances where I've figured out how to do this. But yeah, I I, I underused all of the charge moves, including with Molina. <laughs> so other than Molina, I, I did play a couple others. I basically enjoyed um, Jax, Raiden, and to my great resentment, <laughs> Liu Kang. I just need to say something about Liu Kang. I hate him. <laughs> he everything about his character is an affront to all my sensibilities and all good taste. The noise he makes when he does that bicycle kick, <laughs> unforgivable. And that move is so good. That's a move that you're always charging. Oh my god, King. Yeah that that was the most fun I had playing Mortal Kombat against you. Was just getting you in that with that bicycle kick. I got so sincerely mad. Like not fun. We're playing a game and I'm not winning. Mad like. This makes me want to scream mad. I hate it so much. And he gave me, he consistently gave me trouble also when I was fighting him. And so I was very upset that I kind of liked playing as him. <laughs> Although I do basically never do that bicycle kick. When oh, I'm he's playing so good him. though. He's so versatile with the bicycle kick, with the high and low fireball, yeah. with his, um, just his flying kick yeah. forward. It, yeah. Quick, speed, good movement, mm-hmm. good range attack, good close attacks. That noise that just gets under your skin. So yeah, I imagine fighting fully... him in real life. Like imagine in these tournaments, and he's making those noises, and you're trying to fight this guy. I'm also imagining being like in the arcade and just like hearing that over and over as like you're losing. That's the thing is like also if you hear that noise, you're losing because that bicycle kick is strong and it comes at you like it's so strong. Oh my god! And you can charge it before the match starts and like unleash it immediately. That's the thing. You can charge it while doing anything. Yeah, like it's that charge is indestructible and unbreakable. Great move. Get knocked down, no worries. Still charging. Like. That is that is an affront. <laughs> Unacceptable. <laughs> so yeah, did not vibe with Luke Kang, but yeah, there were there were a handful of people. Um I liked Raiden's movement as well and and the lightning attacks. I don't know why I vibed with Jax. I just he's just like a big strong dude. You like to slam because you can get him in the slam and then you can yeah. <laughs> kind of repeatedly press the button and just do multiple slams. Yeah. I think you really like doing that. Yep. I exploited <laughs> that a lot. 
Um, but Melina was definitely the one that I that I like whenever I was trying to actually advance up the tournament roster, like Melina's the one I was going with. I mean, as you find it in the end, she's kind of girl Baraka. Yeah, that's the thing. I was less wrong than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe talking about these characters is a good way to segue into the showdown between these games. Yes. The using the criteria you established on the last episode, especially because that first criterion was characters. Mm-hmm. So do you want to do you want to reset up what we're doing here? Sure. So in the last episode, you had asked me to think about how I would evaluate or how I would decide which of these two games was my favorite and some some criteria that we would look at together to give us a framework for assessing them. Yeah. And and so I know we've talked a lot about how you enjoyed Street Fighter more, but I was re-looking over these criteria and it's like gameplay is not on these criteria is not one of the criteria. Well, it is a, so, it is a bit. So who knows where these points actually <laughs> land? I think we might be in for more of a surprise than I'm thinking. Listen, yes. <laughs> oh, no. So the criteria, just to catch you back up, are um, character selection, design and variation, well-placed difficulty thresholds, vibes, making progression visible, surprises, onboarding, and the X factor. Mm. Mm-hmm. The incredibly scientific X factor. Okay, then I guess we should... Jump right into characters. We've been talking about the characters who you've been playing as, but mm-hmm. um, set up what you're looking for here. Is this a general roster assessment? What are the what are the sub criteria of characters? Yeah, kind of. So I think it's it's your range of choice, your variation, um, the design elements of characters, and also kind of what they add up to. Um, and play is a factor in here as well. Um, so I I think what makes the most sense is I'm going to quickly tell you my score for both of these games in a category so we can say which one, according to me, won that category. So you have scores within? I do. They're not long. They're not like (laughs) what you're picturing as a score. So for Street Fighter, I gave it three and a half out of five. And for Mortal Kombat, I gave it four out of five. Whoa. So let me. I'm kind of surprised. Let me explain. First Street Fighter. So I I liked a lot of the Street Fighter characters. All of the sprites in this game are good. That's something important to say. I like that in this game, um, every character has their dedicated location that really makes sense and expresses something about them. Um, I I really like the coherence of character and and background art in this game. Um, They fall into a couple of categories in terms of play style, which is both useful for onboarding, but, you know, in, in terms of variety is so-so. But the, the biggest thing that kept this away from being a stronger grade is a pretty large number of this roster are not super enticing. There's When I look at uh, Cami or DJ or Dalsim, there's nothing about them that makes me... A guy with stretchy arms does not seem enticing to you someone whose first question was which character has the best range <laughs> yeah i know it's wild um but i i don't nothing nothing about their self-presentation or their aesthetic is appealing to me like it doesn't it doesn't pull me in when i'm when i'm at that choose your fighter menu like a third of them could just be removed from the game without impacting my my enjoyment and i think that's a problem for a for a fighter um I mean, my jaw is open right now. Yeah, it literally is. Do you get a lot of pleasure from playing Cami, DJ, or Dalsim? Those are three characters, first of all, of the of the roster. Yeah. Um, and actually, they're actually pretty fun. And 
the reason for this, and this is something we've already kind of touched on, but once you move past the superficial aspect of the character select screen, this game is so much about character. Each fighter has such a distinct character that's expressed through their moves, mm -hmm. um, through their stages, like you said, through their stance, through the types of throws they do, to how they move, to whether they're charge-based or motion-based. Mm -hmm. Like All of that is really speaking to the individual characters in the game. And there's so much more individuality in this game than there is in Mortal Kombat. Yep, I agree with that. Um, I think they each have their own distinct <laughs> endings that are so much more fun than endings in most fighting games. Um, but if we're comparing directly to Mortal Kombat, yeah, they have kind of win sayings. Yeah, they do trash talk. <laughs> they make little noises. Yeah, when they're fighting, I I like all. That I stuff. don't know how you can just look at and and Dalsum is actually really fun to play. I don't even think you've. I don't even think you selected him once, but I, didn't even I would suggest going back and giving him a shot. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's true. But I mean, so I want to just take one step back here. So something you said that you can't believe I'm judging this by just the superficial vision of the character select screen. So that is both, I would argue, a super literally superficial, meaning it's a it's a a glance at, at the like. It's a superficial look at those characters, but I don't know that it's. It's also in some ways, I think, a useful shorthand for a lot of other stuff about those characters. Were the duds you said Cammy, DJ? Uh, Dalsim. Oh, Dalsim. Okay, those are the three. I mean, I also like have no desire to play M. Bison. Uh, are you Zagat, kidding me? I don't me? care about. He has an eye patch. He has moves that have Tiger in front of their name. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't want to play as any of those people at all. I... I if I even tried most of them once, I, it was only out of like, uh, this is research. Uh, I mean, there's also like uh, some, some you know, dated racial issues that are too obvious to bother mentioning in, in too much. I don't put too much weight on that, but that's also in the mix. So if I can move on to Mortal Kombat, because I want to explain why Mortal Kombat wins this cat. Okay, and don't get me wrong. When I was a child, I, I thought the Mortal Kombat roster was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it. so the Mortal Kombat 4 out of 5 is like a 4 out of 5 with an asterisk. For me, Mortal Kombat has both the best and also the worst. So first, I got to mention the palette-swapped characters. That's just like, they, they play differently, they have different moves, they're different once you pick them up. That's kind of a lazy design ethos. Um, so I don't really love that, but... The, one of the things that is very important to me about this is this is a roster of freakos and pretty much every single character here. And I'm going to say the weak points for me are, well, Sonya Blade's not even into, um, but Jax, because I guess they keep making the black character be just like some boxer. He's not a boxer. He's, oh my goodness. He's you need to read the lore. <laughs> he's Sonya Blade's um, partner from the military and that's why he's there he's looking for her yeah i know that you didn't know that i because did you just said he was a boxer no they what i mean is they keep making the black guy just some up close fighter that like doesn't have like every pretty much every single character that i look at on this roster the first thought i have is like ooh, what's his deal that's that's like an enticement that's a booted up excitement that i think is meaningful you look at Liu kang and you think oh what's his deal well, so this <laughs> this is... You look at Kung Lao and you think, ooh, what's his deal? He's got that razor hat. It's messed up. Um, I think like... So 
on and the again, Liu I, Kang to, note, I, I love this roster. Once, I mean, I guess they're still kind of cool, but I, I guess I'm just trying to reconcile you saying that you love this roster of freaks, but you didn't even try Blanca once, I don't think. What's more of a freak than Blanca? I mean, Blanca is one freak. He's hardly a counter to my roster of freaks. I know, but if that's what appeals to you, wouldn't that be... No, because he's in the wrong game. He's weird in this game. Like, it has to be freaks in a world that is for freaks. Not freaks in just, like, a, a place where, you know, Blanca fighting E-Honda, who just, like, wants people to love and respect sumo wrestling. Like, that... Do you see why that's different? Also, he's just so ugly. <laughs> you pick Baraka as your... Yeah, Baraka's, like, a good... Fr- I don't know how to explain this to you. And back to Liu Kang. I think a fundamental reason that I will just never love fighting games with a passion is that I'll just probably never care about being like a guy with a headband who's really good at karate or whatever. Like that is so dorky to me. Like I don't I don't care at all about the Ken or Ryu characters. Honestly, they're they also could have been on the Street Fighter list of people that I have no interest in playing. And Liu Kang is kind of in that category, except that for some reason sliding him in amongst all these freakos makes me think that he also must be a freak. Which it turns out is correct, because he has the wildest moves in this entire game. So I think that I think that um, Mortal Kombat, on balance, despite some of its severe drawbacks, overall tops out at a, just, just a hair above Street Fighter in this category. You got five characters who are all pilot swaps. Yeah, I know. It's a lot. It's too much. And it gets worse later. And they add how Reptile, see, Jade, and... How, well, Reptile's in this game. Oh, yeah, right. How do you see Shang Tsung as a Frico? Just like by his... Because I, I agree that he is. But yeah. just by that picture, when you look at the character select screen. He's still got something more imposing than like the goofy ass like Ken or Ryu. Or even Liu Kang, honestly. Liu Kang's in, in Mortal Kombat. I know. You don't think Sagat's going to kick his ass? Not necessarily. Okay. <laughs> Listen, this is my score. This is my opinion. Okay. I'm glad we give you a platform. So uh, Mortal Kombat won that one by like a hair, by like a, a 0.5. Okay. So so they really, so it really has nothing to do with the characters themselves and the expression of the characters once you're playing. No, it does. Because when you're in Mortal Kombat, you even said this, the only differentiating factor are just the special moves. They have slightly different stances. Mm-hmm. Um, they have slightly different, some. they have different win poses. Yeah. Um, and they have different moves that kind of, I guess, express something about them, especially their fatalities. Yeah. But everything else, they're just a template character. They don't express themselves through kind of the the animations of their movements, really. They don't express themselves through having different ways of punching or kicking or throwing their opponent. Yeah. I mean, that all a lot of that stuff is what goes into Street Fighter getting a, a strong grade in this also. Like I, I can't wait to see the rest of your scores. Okay, let's move <laughs> on then. Okay. Um so the next category was difficulty thresholds. So just to clarify what I meant by this, um I think it's important for or you know, me before I started playing these games, thought it was important for there to be basically two well-placed difficulty thresholds in these games. One of which is the sort of, can you sit down and over the course of a couple hours or an evening, have a fun time playing this game with people who have played it, you know, before. And the next measure is, is there enough depth that this is going to be satisfying for someone who wants to get really good at it? Is there stuff to master here? Um, 
So for this one, I gave Street Fighter a four out of five and Mortal Kombat a two and a half out of five. So for this one, Street Fighter all the way. Street Fighter welcomed me so much more. It gave me finer control over building up my challenge level. It it just, I can see how much more there is there. And every time you move up the difficulty, you really feel it. But also Street Fighter by far, if I had a friend over who hadn't played these games before, you know, this is in a fictional version where I have friends who like <laughs> games. Um, and like, there's no question which one I would sit them down with. A thousand times Street Fighter, a thousand times out of a thousand. Yeah, I mean, considering that's the experience that we just had, I would tend to agree with you there because yeah. we did have much more immediate fun playing Street Fighter for sure. Yeah. So the Mortal Kombat two and a half out of five, again, I feel this one needs some explanation. So this one is tough because if if this question was just how is that first difficulty threshold, I would give it a zero out of five. Mm. This thing, I couldn't climb up on the bottom level of this thing with a stepladder. It just... Oh, in the tournament mode, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, um, I, maybe you could coax a friend along to a point of having fun if you didn't put them in tournament mode and just worked with them. But then the game doesn't really get credit for that if it's just you holding back and, and, and teaching someone. But on the other hand, I do feel that much more than Street Fighter, it was constantly provoking me to respond differently and get better. Um, and one of the things that I think is an important factor in this is the way that the characters fight differently based on their place on the ladder. So one thing that I found in terms of how the difficulty advances over tournament mode, Street Fighter, I found a very flat curve and then the bosses are noticeably mm. harder than everyone else. Like the first person you fight in tournament mode isn't like way, mm, way mm. easier than the sixth. And then the last three bosses are hard. Um, Mortal Kombat, you are literally ascending up a tournament roster mm -hmm. as you go, and they get harder. They're not always in the same order. Um, and what that means is that, you know, it's interesting because I think on the one hand, I think this is part of why I found it hard to learn my opponent's moves in Mortal Kombat, because fighting Liu Kang as your first opponent is a very different Liu Kang than you're going to get at your eighth mm -hmm. opponent. Mm -hmm. Like at, at level one, he's not going to block a lot of stuff. Like you're going to be able to get hits on him. He's not going to be abusing his, his hardest moves. And when you fight him later, he's going to have all these tricks that he's throwing at you. So it makes it a little bit challenging because he feels like a different person every time you meet him. So I think that's hard for beginners, but it means that the latter is leading you into more advanced techniques mm -hmm. um, and and showing gesturing at how much more there is for you to learn and to master as you're progressing up that one tournament. So I like the Street Fighter threshold for immediacy, um, but I like I feel like Mortal Kombat welcomes you into its depth much more. Hmm. Yeah, and I like how you phrased it, like or how you framed it, because you do have the the tournament progression and moving up, kind of the the ladder on the one and the other it is very much flat you're just kind of flying from place to place like they even communicate that through through how they display the progression to you okay next one vibes so vibes incorporates a bunch of things because i didn't want to have separate categories for like music art style sure yeah, even yeah. like ux like, you know it it just so this was interesting and unexpected street fighter four out of five mortal Kombat, also four out of five this category is a draw Huh. Yeah. For very different reasons. So Street Fighter. I want to say opening up in Super Street Fighter 2 on Ryu's silhouette 
just in that blue outline. And then like the light turns on and you see him and he's in this like posture. It's incredible. Like it's a great opening. Yeah. It like would fit in fine today Mm -hmm. among these kind of retro styled games Mm -hmm. that we have now. Like it's it's so, so cool. Um, and that's sort of an attitude of style and like not trying to be realistic, but trying to be more than realistic um, that really permeates the entire thing. Uh, the active backgrounds in this uh, don't feel like novelties, which mm. I found sometimes the MK ones can. Um, they feel really connected to the characters. Uh, and I really have to say this soundtrack is top notch. Like the music in this is so excellent. Um Specifically, uh, Ken and Guile's themes. You know what they're my, they sound like um, you know those old songs from Sonic that like fan bands do covers of. <laughs> I I know in my heart that there's like oh there's a, so many fan band versions fan with, band like, versions words. of oh yeah yeah there's tons. I feel like I can hear it even though. So I didn't want to. I didn't want to. So I wanted you to come to this category and especially thinking about the music, honestly. And I didn't want to prejudice you one way or the other mm-hmm. because I didn't tell you who made the music for Street Fighter. It's the greatest of all time, or top three, <laughs> Yoko Shimomura. Oh, okay. So just imagine a career yeah. that has Street Fighter and Kingdom Hearts. You did the right. music for both. And Final Fantasy XV and Super Mario RPG. I mean, That's- you know what? Some of the, what, what make I mean, obviously, first I believe you, but what that makes that emotionally believable to me is... The, the weird eclecticism of this soundtrack, um, like there's a lot of world music influences mm-hmm. on this. There's a lot of really memorable tunes. There's really good orchestration. Like I actually went and sort of listened to the soundtrack afterwards separately from the game. So I wanted to really be able to listen to it. Um, it's just great. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. And another uh, Yoko Shimomura little side story. Uh, she did go and ask the art director what was up with uh, Chun-Li's thighs. <laughs> <laughs> We all want to know. And uh, yeah, she said that he started shouting and he went off and he was like, I can't believe you don't understand the appeal. And then he started explaining it to her. And she says, and you know, I'm a woman. I asked the question, but it got kind of awkward when he started explaining his fetishes. I mean, he has really <laughs> strong feelings toward his creations. Which is a great he response. wants to be crushed. But <laughs> you know what? Same. <laughs> that is essentially also how I feel. So yeah, I mean, Street Fighter. The music is incredible. Oh my God, it's so good. It's it's honestly so good. Um, for Mortal Kombat, we have less finesse, I think, at every turn in pretty much all of these categories, except that we have all this nasty Frico shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have these weird portals. We have finishing moves. We have spooky skeletons. We have characters from the first Mortal Kombat in the background as prisoners. Yeah. So I think where Mortal Kombat really is able to shine here, and I and I think I agree, and this is kind of what attracted to me, me to it um, in the past, is because it has this consistency of lore between yeah. 1 and 2 that Street Fighter 2 doesn't really have because it at this point is kind of ignoring Street Fighter 1. <laughs> right. So you do have this continuity, and you also have... In two, because we didn't play one that much, because I think you agreed. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. we played it for a bit and you're just... It was not fun. Yeah, it was just much slower. Yeah. So we played two and two has the benefit of taking place in Outworld. Yeah. Which is why you get all of these really kind of horror-tinged backgrounds, really strange backgrounds. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you, because I think there's a trade-off here, because in Street Fighter, by virtue of them kind of going to each of their own personal locations, the backgrounds reflect the characters much mm-hmm. more. And you don't get that in Mortal Kombat. What you do get in Mortal Kombat 
is a much greater sense of the lore of this story because all of the backgrounds are taking place. They're all tournament locations. Right. In the first one, they're all tournament locations on Earth. And in the second one, they're all tournament locations in Outworld. Mm -hmm. And so you don't get the variety of backgrounds in the same way. And they're not tied to the characters. But it does kind of ground the idea that there is this actual tournament going on. Yeah. So I'm wondering which you prefer. Or is this kind of both up in the air? And that's why they get an equal score. Uh, I vastly prefer emotionally and on a pure taste level the locations in Street Fighter. Mm. However, however... I have to say that Mortal Kombat, I feel, gets so much mileage out of their their background stuff, mm-hmm. like having finishing moves that interact with the background, right. like throwing your your defeated opponent into the nuclear waste or slime and having their skeleton emerge and like float down the thing. Um, like I said, seeing Kano and Sonya Blade like that was so, held yeah, as prisoners, that's so like cool. that's that's really cool. And even just in in their use of like Shao Kahn's voice, like just the, yeah. the iconic finish him or his laughter during the fights. Yeah. Right? It really just adds this sense of world building. There's the forest with these weird mm-hmm. tree faces and this character, like just everywhere in this, there is um, mystery and brutality. Uh, and demon shit is fun. And then I think also fun is it's sort of counterbalanced by this streak of really weird, silly, clowny, like humor that's through it like in the forest scene with the faces on the trees that are moaning like at some points jade this other character who's not playable pokes out from behind the tree and it's like it's both mysterious as to why she's there but it's also a really like looney tunesy animation like she just like pokes out and is like oh and then like back behind like it's not a it's not an elegant mysterious thing i think of the the random head that pops on screen and i thought was saying whoopsie and then you told me it's toasty yeah that's i still don't understand what that is he's just their sound producer and that's like a thing he'd say when they were playing and so they'd put him in the game right like that's dumb shit (laughs) but i don't know it's it's still so here's actually this this connects to another question i had for you so in this game you also get the introduction of friendships and babalities (laughs) Right. right and when you saw some of those the first time, you did seem a little bit surprised. Yeah, I was. And so does that contribute to the vibe? Does it detract from it? I think it does. Um, like, okay, you know what Mortal Kombat reminds me of? You know how some, like, really hardcore metalheads, like people who are into, like, death metal, they'll, just, they'll look really mean on the outside, but if you know them at all, they're just, like, the sweetest, like, dumb goofballs is that what baraka is like no i don't think that's what baraka was like but i think that's who made this game. (laughs) like it has that that like really goofy sense of humor it's like still playful which i think is so necessary because otherwise it just gets like weird edgelordy Mm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like this this manages not to be an edgelordy game because of that weird streak Mm -hmm. were you disappointed there was no techno music yes okay fully yes I, i mean i a much less iconic soundtrack across the board than Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I honestly, I did want that techno music. I was alive in the 90s. I remember. I know. I, I imagine going, kind of knowing that song or seeing the movie first and then going back, you're just kind of disappointed that you're it's, not, waiting a, for it's it. not a techno soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and it, a version of that kind of was in the commercial. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's too bad it didn't make it into the game in some form.
Okay, let's finish up your categories. So the next one on your list was makes progression visible. Yeah, I want to be able to feel that the game is communicating to me about the ways in which I'm improving or, okay. or getting further along. So, I mean, we've already talked about one of the ways that the game does this, the kind of climbing up the mountain, the vertical mm-hmm. opponent screen of Mortal Kombat versus the flattened map of Street Fighter. That's one way. Yeah. And and that's a big part of why, for me, uh, Street Fighter got a three out of five in this and Mortal Kombat got a four out of five. Okay. Um, I still think Street Fighter did a good job of helping me see where I was getting better. And I think probably the area where this shows up the most is in the jump to the the last couple of bosses. Because right. they really are so distinctive as fighters. So there's some commonality in the strategies you can use against different fighters of the regular roster. But like Vega is completely distinctive. Yeah. M. Bison is completely distinctive. And so you really, the amount of versatility that you need and the mm-hmm. way that those bosses pressure you, I think really it made me feel accomplished and it really felt like something when I defeated them. Yeah, Vega especially, I remember when I used to play, he, even though I think technically, probably Sagat was always the hardest for me, mm-hmm. Vega was always the one that scared me the most because he could do things that no other character could do. Yeah. Um, Like climbing the cage and jumping and leaping off the screen and then just appearing somewhere. That always terrified me that he could do that. And no one's no one no one else does anything like climbing up the cage. No, you don't see anybody else's back, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and then I was kind of upset when you could actually play Vega in when they made the bosses available in the future iterations <laughs> that you couldn't actually do that. I tried playing Vega a little bit and I was so surprised that I didn't love being him. Like I thought, look, he's he's got so many of my criteria. He's got good reach. He's got crazy mobility mm-hmm. moves. But it just didn't, kind of a didn't freak. come together. Got that mask kind of and the claw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just uh, didn't come together for me. Um, one question I have for you about the Street Fighter, and, and this ties into this progression. Mm-hmm. With the move to the Street Fighter 2 games where you could play as the bosses, did that ruin the sense of progression for you? Because now these were just like, <laughs> I mean, they, they, you still fought them at the end. Yeah. But they're just kind of guys now. Like, do you like being able to play as the bosses or do you like them being kept their separate thing like they are in the Mortal Kombat? I like, okay, I like the novelty of being able to play them in verses. Like, it was fun playing you as M. Bison. I don't like the idea that you can play M. Bison as through the whole tournament. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, that is a little bit like world and logic breaking mm. for me. So I find them really fun in the in the two player mode, but I sort of didn't want to play them in in one player. Mm. Um, but I don't know if that's just me being stuck on like lore stuff or <laughs> you know, it also just doesn't feel fair. Like Vega has all these crazy moves. So got super powerful. M. Bison, obviously super powerful. It almost like... They do balance them when you're playing no, two-player. I'm sure. Sure. But there's like an extent to which if I beat everyone with M. Bison in one player, I'm like, well, duh, he's the fun... You know, it would be like... My goodness. <laughs> it just... It would it would feel like nothing. Whereas winning with, with Chun-Li feels like something. And on the Mortal Kombat side... Like you said, we've already talked a little bit about the ladder and and how much it makes you feel the difference between, oh, I got to a third level guy this time versus next time I get to a sixth level guy. Like, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, you saw in one where they did the thing. So after you beat your mirror match, which was treated in one as something special, Mm -hmm. then you got the two on one situations 
What did you think about those? I mean, we didn't play one a lot, but y- yeah. you played enough to see if those are a thing. Um, I don't mind them. It's weird that you're just refighting guys that you already fought individually. Right, and ostensibly possibly murdered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like if you did a fatality, it's like, okay, oh, I guess that's lore breaking. Too. You're back. I mean, it, like it's video game garbage. Like <laughs> I feel a little bit who cares about it, but I don't love it. You just said you didn't want to play as the bosses yeah. in the single player and this you're just kind of hand waving. This is a weird thing. I feel more world coherence and that bothers me more in Street Fighter than in Immortal Kombat. People are being brought back from the dead. There's demons. There's like weird love different the species. There, but there are. Like, right. I think that's a world that could tolerate okay. people being okay. brought back that like ma- that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the next category is surprises. This is a good one. Yeah. So for this one, I don't think anyone's going to be shocked that Mortal Kombat takes this category. So what are, what are your scores? Uh, three out of five for Street Fighter. Okay. Still good surprises. So I'd like to know what you're surprised by. Yeah, for sure. Of course. Uh, and then five out of five for Mortal Kombat. So, so, okay. I'm surprised by the score. I think like I would give it five out of five, but there are so many fun secrets and surprises <laughs> in Mortal Kombat, and Michelle did not give a shit. Yeah. There was... Like we were playing in one and Reptile (laughs) appeared and he's not in the game. And he just before you before your match starts, he just appears and he drops a cryptic clue. And Michelle just nothing. (laughs) Dimitri's nudging me. He's like elbowing me. What do you think? What do you think? I'm like, I I don't know. Okay. In in Mortal Kombat 2, when Jade or Smoke are peering from the trees, Mm -hmm. nothing. No curiosity (laughs) at all about this game. In my defense. Not really curious about the toasty guy. (laughs) Just thought he was annoying. I asked you about that. You asked me about it after, but at first you you were just kind of annoyed by him. Still annoyed by him. (laughs) So in my defense, some of the stuff about specifically Jade and Smoke appearing in the background in the trees... When you first pointed this out to me and got mad at me for not being excited (laughs) about it, which you did, it was at the stage where I was still just trying to stay alive. Like, it was so at the stage where I was so intensely focused on the combat that I am not really taking in and absorbing the subtleties of what's going on in the background. Like, I, they jump out later. Like, I, I very much have seen them and perceived them. I understand. And then you said they were goofy Muppets. They are the animation is a little goofy. If they're trying to make them seem like mysterious, they shouldn't just like have them pop out like hello and then like back <laughs> in. That's it's it's okay. But what about the interfering before your match, saying announcing their presence and saying come and find me? Here's a clue. Yeah, that's cool. I I just I didn't know at the time. I think when I saw that was again in one of my first runs through the game, and so I was like. It's cool, but like, I don't know how this is going to be picked up later. I don't know how to act on it. So I just was reserving my judgment of everything Michelle until I see. Michelle thinks that uh, Mortal Kombat is doing some foreshadowing. It's going to be paid off in the narrative I don't know. later. I don't know. Wow. Why would I not? Why would I immediately assume <laughs> that that's not the case? And then in Mortal Kombat 2, we actually did fight Jade. And mm-hmm. kind of uh, by surprise, I forget what the condition was to actually get to her stage. Because yeah. I think it was just um, kind of by mistake. That we, we did not do it on purpose. Condition. And then she crushed me. Yeah. I mean, she's really hard. She's so fast. Merciless. Yeah. And then there's another character in two that you didn't see, Noob Saibut, which is Boon Tobias backwards. Who the hell is Boon Tobias? Oh, my God. Ed Boon and John Tobias, the creators of Mortal Kombat. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) These freaking nerds. (laughs) Putting their sound editor guy in the game. (laughs) 
putting and this character that was kind of a i mean with this joke name has now become a character in all of the games and actually has lore in this he's really just a uh, a black costume version of the ninjas like okay just like another, another kind of palette swap, swap. Okay. yeah okay but it's still kind of cool that he's in there and to fight him you have to play the multiplayer and one player has to win 50 rounds in a row. Oh my God. 50 uh, wins in a row. And I was doing this with my cousin and I swear to God, we were on like 48 or 49 and he just like had a memory lapse and just like beat me <gasps> and I we never saw Noob Saibut. I thought you were going to say I never saw my cousin again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's wild. That's, that's very good. Uh, but yeah, I, I love that that's in the game. What does annoy me is that those characters are not playable. This is where it actually really does annoy me. I think if you're going to have secret characters who aren't bosses, mm-hmm. you should be able to unlock them, which yeah. future Mortal Kombat's do, but in two and one, no unlockable characters. So if I had beat Jade instead of getting brutally humiliated by her, you just, nothing, 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 nothing changes. No. Okay. You just beat another person yeah like you just had the just the pride of yeah the pride of unlock of like seeing her and then beating her but yeah you don't get anything yeah exactly yeah that (laughs) there's no payoff there (laughs) but yeah so i mean i think i think we've like well covered some of the secret stuff in mortal Kombat, Mm -hmm. and i i think what as even though you felt that i did not react appropriately to some of the secrets and reveals i think the amount of stuff there is i just was not expecting a game that is a fighting game that is ostensibly about um, strictly the the combat and and uh, sort of moving up this this hierarchy to have that much extra in it, that much mm. stuff that they didn't need to put in, but they did. I mean, um, even so far as like two fatalities each, plus friendships, yeah, plus babalities. Later they add anim- later they add animalities. It gets a little bit out of control. Okay. <laughs> um, did you have? Did any of those surprise you? I mean, yeah, kind of. I mean, you, all- I do know you were surprised to see a friendship the first time. Yeah, yeah. I didn't fully understand what had happened there, um, which is a feeling that I like to feel when I'm being surprised by something. Right. And you asked if only s- characters could only do them to other characters that yeah. they had like an in-lore relationship with. Because I think the first time it happened, it was Melina and Baraka. And by that point, I had figured out that Melina is a Baraka. <laughs> I don't know how to say that non-stupidly but so it made sense like Mm -hmm. i i and so i felt like that was linked Mm -hmm. in my head even if it's not actually so it took me a while to figure out that you can do them (laughs) with anyone to anyone but yeah um i think i think part of why i did really come to like the surprises is that i think a lot of the surprises are where the silliness of this game comes through Mm -hmm. and like i said i think that is an essential element of this i think i don't like this game very much if it doesn't have that release if right. it's just the like ooh, bad yeah. fighting and gore and you can just imagine how much the developers are just thinking about how their players are going to be surprised by these yeah things. just like the joy that their players are going to take when they realize what's in the game yeah it makes me feel like we're all having fun together yeah. and i like that and i think mortal Kombat <laughs> has still kind of kept up that spirit i'm glad this kind of playfulness with it and i think like ed boone who still works really closely with the series and still kind of leads the series clearly loves it and loves the goofy aspects of mm-hmm. it and just wants to surprise players all the time. And I think they're succeeding. I think I sort of feel like I've seen the synthesis of that in, like I've seen some of the fatality moves from Mortal Kombat 11, which released mm-hmm. whatever in the last year or two. And some of those are so over the top, like there, lots of them are like very gory and very disgusting, but there also is a ludicrous 
excess there mm-hmm. that's like it's like both of these this gore aesthetic and this silly sense of humor coming together um and i appreciate that mm-hmm. very much i have i have a lot of love in my heart for that kind of thing um but street fighter has good surprises too um there's this is a game that again gave me so much more than i thought it was going to i was surprised by the charm by the expressiveness of the characters um how fun the combat stayed the more mm. i looked at things like backgrounds um the more i i love that stuff there's so many little touches in this game even um when you're playing in one player and your character has been defeated there's like the continue screen and once you press start uh your sort of beaten up character sprite changes and they get this little <laughs> yeah, ding yeah. like glimmer in their eye that's dumb <laughs> i love it it's great it's like oh yeah chun is gonna persevere um so i just think there's so much love and so much care and so much creativity in in this game that I still found myself constantly wanting to look at things, mm-hmm. wanting to uh, kind of wishing I could just pause and check stuff out sometimes. Mm-hmm. The experience of, like I mentioned, transitioning from your regular fighters to fighting a Vega where you're like, what is, mm-hmm. what is this? What is he doing? There, there just was so much more here than I thought there was going to be, which is really great. Yeah, for Street Fighter, one of the things that I think still um, that I still really like about it is how different all the characters character mm-hmm. endings are. It's the game more so than Mortal Kombat, where I would want to beat it with every character to see what their ending was. Yeah, because with Mortal Kombat, you get kind of text on a just kind of text with you know one or two special images that kind of yeah. depict what's happening. Street Fighter gives you very different styles of endings. Visually, mm-hmm. they look different. What happens with the characters are different. You lucked out and played as Chun-Li, yeah. who gave you your favorite thing in games, a binary choice. <laughs> <laughs> to kill M. Bison or not? No, it was, did you want to go back to being a detective or not? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. And I think you chose, you want to continue being a detective. I want to be a detective in real life. <laughs> I will always choose being a detective. Don't you love those choices? It's pretty much a Bioware game. <laughs> I mean... I I kind of like the meaninglessness of this choice. Like it doesn't, (laughs) this is purely, do you want the story to end? Like this is the story you're telling yourself, right? It's just letting the game let you pick how this ends, which they could have just said like, does Chun, like they didn't have to let you make Mm -hmm. that choice, but I don't know. It was fun. I got to feel like I impacted something about that character after going through this whole process with her. Yeah. And I think she's the only one that actually gets a choice. Everybody else is just kind of Hmm. plays out. It's also funny to me that they put that in just for one character, mm-hmm. like that they like made a mechanic for that for just one. And I mean, some of them are are kind of funny. Guile goes and becomes like a family man. Like there's mm-hmm. all after of- telling his opponents to go and be family men the whole time. The the twist is that he was really a family man on the inside. Yeah, his his uh, not previously arc. mentioned wife or girlfriend comes and is like, no, please. When Blanca's mom is Come in the home. crowd, Blanca finds his birth mother. <laughs> Um, and they have a tearful reunion, which is very funny in the in the animation of Blanca. So yeah, there's there's like funny different stuff that has you know varying levels of how serious or playful it is. Like it's those those endings are really fun. So before we move on from secrets and surprises, let me tell you about Shenglong. So I don't know if you remember, but the at one of your predictions that you made was whether or not you're going to fight Shenglong. Okay. And you said yes. Uh-huh. Of course you didn't. Yes. Um, the reason I asked that is the question was because Shang Long was one of the most famous game rumors of all time. Oh. 
And it's a it's a Street Fighter rumor. Oh, fun. Yeah. And so this is this is kind of a surprise that doesn't really exist, but at the time people thought it did. <laughs> cool. And we're really trying to we're really trying to will it to happen. But basically what happened is that you know Ryu and Ken have the move the Shoryuken. I sure do. The Dragon Punch. Somehow it got mistranslated, I think, from Japanese into Chinese and then back to English. And in that along that journey <laughs> In it its got, travels. <laughs> yeah. In its travels, it got Shoryuken got mistranslated as Shang Long. So one of the Ryu's win quotes is that you must defeat my dragon punch to stand a chance. But originally it was mistranslated in English as you must defeat Shang Long to stand a chance. Ooh, and so people Shang thought <laughs> Yeah, people thought that must be referring to somebody. And it must be referring to a character that you know, may or may not be in the game. Who knows? The translation was fixed by the time it was released in home consoles. But at that time, early versions of the manual had just decided if you read like their bios in early versions of the Street Fighter 2 manual for the Super Nintendo, they say that Ken Ryu's master's name was Shang Long. Ah! Uh, but the thing that really started the rumor going, and it lingered way longer than I think the magazine intended it to, was when EGM, as when you see it now, it's clearly an April Fool's joke. <laughs> and I'll explain why. We were more gullible in this period. Um, but they put out this article. They, they had received this letter that told players how to unlock Shang Long in Street Fighter II, the arcade game. Wow. And let me tell you what you have to do to unlock him. So according to this article, it says, to fight Shang Long, the mysterious Street Fighter legend, you must use Ryu throughout your entire game. You must not get hit from the moment you begin until the final round with M. Bison. Oh, my God. Once there, you must spar with Bison without hitting each other for 10 rounds. <laughs> the 10th round is the final round. And after the last draw game, Shang Long will allegedly appear and throw M. Bison away. And now you're fighting Shang Long. Oh, my God. And if you defeat him, you will have him. And they had doctored some screenshots. They put like what looks like this old man. <laughs> Uh, this picture of the old man. So they have a little screenshot of him like like monkey flipping bison off out of the frame. And they have a picture of him doing a dragon punch. So it, it's pretty it's this pretty elaborate hoax. This is such a delight to me. I love this. Yeah, and it says he throws red fireballs faster than Sagat. He has Chun-Li's spin kick, but Hell deadlier. Yeah. He can attack immediately after throwing a fireball. He can even grab Ryu out of the air and throw him to the turf. <laughs> and so the guy who found this out and wrote this letter to EGM was um, Mr. W.A. Stokens. So waste tokens. Oh, God. From fooled again, <laughs> comma, H.A. Okay, we were much more gullible. And even <laughs> underneath this article, in a huge, in this kind of huge block, EGM is also promoting their April Fool's contest. Uh-huh. And this is in the April issue. And so I don't know if people actually fell for this because this is pretty clear. But what happened is that this got republished other places without attributing it to EGM mm -hmm. and got republished as fact. And then just the rumor mill spreads. Wow. And for years, people were wondering, is there going to be a Shang Long? Did they end up putting Shang Long in anything? They didn't. They did put Ken Ryu's master, but it's not who's not Shang Long. Okay. But they kind of do hint at it. Okay. What they did do, though, in... Uh, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo for the arcade. So not when we played, it was kind of arcade, arcade only for a while. Now there are home ports. In that, Akuma is a secret character. Okay. And I don't remember exactly what you have to do to unlock him. I think you have to kind of get to Bison without using a continue. Okay. And if you do that, Akuma will appear, throw Bison away, and then you fight Akuma. Oh, so that's kind of what they had promised? Yeah. Or so they, like lied about <laughs> Well, and they didn't even lie about it. They just heard the right. rumor happen. And they was like, okay, let's put that in the game. It's kind of cool. Fun. So that is a, a secret that's not a secret. 
I like that. <laughs> what a treat. <laughs> um, so the next category that I had is onboarding. Um, this has some overlap with some previous categories, I would say. This was about how well this game uh, welcomes new players and gets them set up and ready mm -hmm. to go. So this one, I think you'll also not be surprised to hear. Um, this one goes to Street Fighter. I, I gave Street Fighter a four out of five for this. Mortal Kombat gets a one out of five. Whoa. I was not impressed on that side. Um, so a couple of things. First of all, I've talked already about the difficulty settings and how mm -hmm. much that impacted my feelings about both games. I won't rehash that, but I think it's worth adding a little bit here about the difference between the manuals and how the manuals talk to you about playing. Whoa. Yeah. You're talking about the manuals? Yeah. Yeah. This is a dream come true. You've come so far. You're <laughs> you're going to get your I want to know. Graduated. I did not use them a lot when I was actually <laughs> getting going. <laughs> but I knew you would ask me about them, and so I looked at them in preparation and then giving my score. <laughs> Tell me about the manuals. Okay. So, um there's things that I like about both. However, I do think that the Street Fighter manual I like more overall for a couple of reasons. And I think it's a better onboarding tool for a couple of reasons. It does give a little bit of your lore about each character, their like motivation or whatever. But the big thing that I prefer is that each character, their special moves, there's a little illustration. And in most cases, there's like a visual icon representation of the button combo. Mm -hmm. So you get little pictures of the directions you have to push. And then it might just say high punch or whatever. It doesn't necessarily say the button name. But for my brain, that makes so much mm. more sense. I can digest that i can understand it i have the appeal of being able to see a little bit of an illustration of what this is going to be really helped um so that i found much more usable than the mortal kombat one the mortal kombat one i liked the way it tells the story of characters actually better i think it does a more enticing job of presenting each character's motivation and their background, but mm. Mortal Kombat does a much better job overall in really taking care of its lore. Mm -hmm. And um, especially by two, I think they realized they were onto something that players really did actually care about these characters, mm -hmm. and they they really did treat the lore as something special that was to be kind of nurtured and explained. Yeah, you you can feel that for mm -hmm. sure. Um, but I have to say, the place where they explain the moves is just a little text box where it just says the name of the move, no description of what the move <laughs> does. So sometimes it's not that informative what this is. And then it literally will have in text the words like down, down, away, up, high kick, like written like D O W. Oh, right. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> don't give me that. It just ends up being this like massive italicized words that right. like, it's not very easy to parse. And there will be like four or five of them crunched up into this tiny little text box. Like it's, once you have your feet under you in the game, it's fine as a quick, quick reference thing, but I didn't find it easy to work with. I don't think it's the most demonstrative. I mean, sometimes they have cool names and it's kind of fun not having the illustration because you're like, mm -hmm. what the hell is that? Let's find out. But on the whole, I, I I felt welcomed into the world, but I didn't feel welcomed into the game so much. No, that, that makes sense. That checks out. And I remember kind of feeling the same way when I get the Mortal Kombat 2 strategy guide and not really even realizing that at the strategy guide level, they weren't explaining how to do some of these moves clearly, or I didn't know what to expect or what this move would actually look like or mm -hmm. what I was supposed to expect. So it was just kind of pushing buttons until something I hope would happen. Yeah. I do remember this kind of having this experience. 
I love so much that you talked about the manual. I think this should be a, a segment every time where you just talk about the manual for five minutes. That probably won't happen. I will listen to it. <laughs> you don't have to. You're on this spot. <laughs> we can just have that conversation in real life. X Factor. X Factor is the last category. Um, essentially, what X Factor means to me i put more thought into what i actually mean by this i think what i mean is does this game come together into a coherent compelling whole wait you you decided what this was going to be after you played the game no i had methodology is flawed well it is and we'll talk about (laughs) that but um yeah for the first time ever my scoring methodology is flawed um but i always had a gut sense of what i meant by x factor but this is me trying to explain to you what it is okay yeah so this one Street Fighter takes hands down. Street Fighter, this one gets a 4 out of 5. Mortal Kombat gets a 2.5 out of 5. Hmm. Um, So they both do come together into coherent holes, I think. But I I have to say that Street Fighters is so much more compelling to me. It's so much more engaging. It pulls me in so much. Like, I just, I want to be there. I want to play it. Like, it just, there's something about it. It's just got that X factor. Yeah, it is. It is like a candy game. Like you just want to have yeah. one more round all the time. It just feels so good to fight in Street Fighter. Yeah, it's like, oh, you want to dip into Street Fighter for a couple of rounds? Like we could do that anytime, any day of the week. Yeah, there's something that's so like tactile about the moves, mm-hmm. and you really feel. I think, yeah, just you know the kicks, especially when you kind of open up those combos when you could do two at one. I feel that's it's just such a satisfying feel. Yeah, I, I get that. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how to like quantify that. Yeah. But it it does feel different. It feels fat. Like, I think the rounds are a little shorter than mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat also. I don't know. I just, it's got it. It's got that thing. Um, so if, if we pause right now for a moment and look back. Okay. <laughs> each of these games won three categories and there was one tie. So out of my seven categories, we have, mm. if we're just looking at which game won each, a dead tie. If we're doing the math, I think Street Fighter ends up with uh, 25 points and Mortal Kombat ends up with 22.5. Okay. So pretty neck and neck. Yeah, that's much closer than I was expecting, actually. Well, let me tell you, that's much closer than I feel about these games. So I've, I've been thinking as going through this process about why I'm so dissatisfied with how this all shook out. And it's made me think about, uh, something we've talked about a couple of times on the pod, which is the fact that a lot of reviews in earlier days of uh, video game magazines and stuff were broken up into this like graphics, music, whatever, visuals, mm-hmm. these different sorts of And categories. then Fun Factor, which is your X Factor. It's my X Factor. Much, yeah. um, At least in, uh, in Game Pro. Yeah. Uh, and I think something that I, I think I knew this intuitively before, but this is really driven at home, is that I don't think you can divide up criteria in a way that will let you accurately value what matters about a piece of media almost before you've engaged with it. Um, I think coming up with categories in advance, especially if you're in my position where I haven't played a lot of fighting mm-hmm. games, so it's not even like I'm super genre. Like if we were talking about JRPGs and you were like, what's a what's a good JRPG mm-hmm. for you? I could probably give you much more useful criteria about what's going to appeal to me in a JRPG. Mm -hmm. I mean, even from your criteria, I think you could see your lack of familiarity with the genre reflected because you had three categories that were more or less 
the same thing that were all about what's yeah. going to be the most welcoming to you. Yeah. That's the other thing I wanted to say is looking back at this, I just see a psychological profile of myself, <laughs> which is very humbling, frankly. Okay, so what do you see in it? I see almost half the categories asking if this will be too hard for me to enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I see the other ones being the kinds of like lore and art and creative stuff that are the things that I was hoping would give me an in that would let me enjoy the gameplay because I just mm -hmm. wasn't, I was so worried I wasn't going to be able to just get in and play these games because I was afraid I was just not going to be able to get to that um, proficiency threshold where I would just be playing as opposed to trying to like learn how to play. Right. Yeah. Cause none of these categories really have anything specific to do with the moment to moment feel of the game. Yeah. Kind of X factor because you made it that in the end. It was no, it was that from the start. I mean, I think, you know, we can joke about the X factor, but I really think like the fun factor in those old scores, I think you have to, even if you're trying to do scores by the numbers, you have to create an outlet for yourself to award points or deduct points for that feeling you get that it's just right and it's mm -hmm. come together or it's just not right and it hasn't come together. So yeah, I mean, it's this is sort of a humbling insight into <laughs> my own psyche. Um, and It's almost like the process of playing these games was like fighting your own mirror match. All right. <laughs> I guess. I mean, it. it's... Uh, Shang Tsung's plan has come together. So here's the good news about our larger project, which is The Road to Dark Souls or Bloodborne. Um, I should have been less scared of these games. Oh, this reminds me. Okay. This is something that I need to bring up. Okay. Because this is the... We always talk about the red flags. <laughs> oh, no. Just once I'd love to hear about a green flag. Just <laughs> once I'd love to hear about, this gave me hope that everything will be fine. This was the FromSoft red flag with the fighting games. Michelle lacks the killer instinct. Oh, God. Yes. So this was a huge thing. many times in both games, she'd think the round was over. So the opponent would just have a sliver of life and she'd just stop. Like she'd put down the controller. I'd be like, ha ha. Even in Mortal Kombat where it gives you the little ding. Like the in Mortal Kombat, when your opponent or you are one hit away from death, you'll get a little ding. It'll say danger underneath just to <laughs> build the tension. So many times that danger comes to show like beat that guy and like put her <laughs> control down and then get thwomped. Yeah. I mean, it's so happened so frequently. And this is such a FromSoft thing. Like you need the killer <laughs> instinct because it happens to me in those games where I, I in my mind, I calculate, okay, three hits. Is yeah. probably dead. I'll do the three hits and I'll have a sliver left. Yeah. And I won't react quick enough and I'll be dead. You need the killer instinct. Thing. One thing, one, two okay. things. One. In one of the games, and I can't remember which, for your last hit that you have, there's actually no health visible for you on the health bar. So if you're watching your opponent's health bar... That's Street Fighter. Okay. The yeah, because at least in Mortal Kombat, you get a little danger yeah, flash and, and the ding. So fair enough. In the Mortal Kombat ones, I just did a bad job. But in the Street Fighter ones, sometimes if you're watching their health bar a little bit, you're like, ah, to finish that. The problem with the, with the Mortal Kombat one is... I was also trying to learn their fatalities or do mm. fun finishers. Oh, right. Okay. And so if you're just going hog wild and you blow right past their their death, you can waste their the opportunity to do a finisher. So that's why I would back mm -hmm. off. But it was always the wrong time. Yeah. You got to keep fighting until the ref calls it off. <laughs> it's 
stop. He's already dead. <laughs> that's what you want. Yeah. So, and that's what I'm going to, that's the energy I'm going to be bringing to Dark Souls because there's no reason not to just keep swinging. <laughs> and I think I'll be very scared. So I'll probably panic and just keep going for it. <laughs> so yeah, just, just to bring it back together. Um, I should have been less scared of these games. I never got great at Mortal Kombat, but I I did get into it. Um, and I think that's a lesson that I've learned a couple times over the course of this podcast. And wouldn't it be great if I was starting to internalize it and could apply that to our approach to a FromSoft game? <laughs> I mean, you've gotten to the manual portion, so that's pretty good. Is there a manual for Dark Souls or Bloodborne? I don't know if it came with one. There'll be like a digital one. Well, there's, a, there's no. Like... There, there are definitely in-game tutorials. Okay. Well, I think I think, you'll, I think you'll be fine. They're much more familiar to your style of okay non-manual life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. So what what are your to- total scores again? Or are you just going to give kind of one experiential winner? I think the experiential winner 100% is Street Fighter. Okay. And I think there was only about a two-point spread between them, but that is not representative of mm. what I think about these games. Street Fighter, hands down, mm. every day, seven days a week, Street Fighter is my one. Hmm. Yeah. Um, before we go over your predictions and uh, and move on to your next game, I, I want to do something that uh, I think could be kind of fun because in the December 1992 issue, again, of EGM, mm-hmm. like I said, EGM had... So many, I think they had 18 Street Fighter 2 covers over the course of a few years. They just love Street Fighter 2. But even in December 1992, they're already putting together a list of things they would like to see in Street Fighter 3. Okay. Even though technically Street Fighter 3 didn't come out until 1997. You get iterations of 2, you get the Alpha series, which is slightly different. But here they had ideas for 3. So I want to run some of them by you. Okay. So some of the things are things you you might expect. So one of the things they asked for was a return from characters from Street Fighter 1, which is something that did help happen in the Alpha series. Mm-hmm. But yeah, new characters in generally. Some of their suggestions included more women. Sure. Um, quick and fast kids. Nope. And uh, Blanca's long lost brother. No. Okay. Uh, they wanted more uh, representatives from exotic locales like Canada, Mexico, and Australia. <laughs> Those are the three places they named. <laughs> If there were cool, distinctive fighting stuff, like if they like did research into like, okay, what are what's a like traditional fighting style that's like unique to that place and could actually like showcase that and bring attention to it could be sick. Mm-hmm. But I think probably they just have like someone in a sombrero and like. <laughs> well, they have somebody from Mexico. T-Hawk yeah, is yeah, from yeah. Mexico in. So this is even before Super Street Fighter um, came out. And I don't know. I I'm I'm lost on what the newer characters are, so I don't know if they have a Canadian or an Australian yet in Street Fighter. <laughs> they suggested that characters have special moves that can only be accessed when the character is nearly out of energy, but that would Ooh. give them like a knockout ability, like a flash knockout. Whoa! So they said something that's like a knockout punch or a kick that could alter offensive and defensive strategies by giving astute Street Fighters occasional opportunities to do in their opponents without warning. So just if you're on the ropes, if you're really good, you can just do a flash knockout and and beat the other guy in one shot. I think I'm against that being a total KO, but I think I'm in favor of like a super powerful thing that only becomes possible when you're in danger. I like that. Okay. Yeah. They think that throws should be much more difficult to do and maybe you could only do them as a counter move. They do not want you to be allowed to throw somebody when they're blocking. Mm. I kind of agree with not being able to throw someone when they're blocking. I think that's how you, that's your defense against the block. Like, like that's how you counter the blocking, though. Yeah. For yeah. me. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, indifferent on this. They think that every fighter should be given a defensive move against range attacks. So everybody should either have a counter fireball. So you know how... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when fireballs collide, they cancel each other out or deflect. Can't you just block? I mean, you can block, but it still does a little yeah, bit Yeah, a little damage. bit of health. Um, I mean, I don't... It's hard for me to argue... Ah, no, you know what? Not everyone should have range attacks. I think that's part of the variation characters. As long as there's... Or, no, not even range attacks. A defensive move against range attacks. Oh. So, um, a, a, like, either they have a deflective fireball or, like, a... Something else. Or, like, a deflect move. Like, you know, in, like, in Smash, some characters just have a move where if you do it, they'll just, like, deflect a projectile. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't... That wouldn't be top of my list, but I, it doesn't offend me. Okay. They want digitized character actors, like in Mortal Kombat. No, no, no. Which, and I mean, no. you got a whiff of what that looked like because we did, I did show you the Street Fighter, the movie game, yeah. what that looked like with the actors. Yeah. And I, yeah, it looked I weird. I don't like it. Yeah. The sprites are good. Yeah. I think this it, is a time it, when, this is a time when it was, it was a grass is always greener sure. time when we had these beautiful sprites. We're like, what if they looked real? <laughs> and now, you know, we're back in the part where we're like, we just love anytime there's really good sprite work in games again. Yeah. All that stuff has aged so mm-hmm. much better mm-hmm. than things that tried to look realistic. That's yeah. where you get into trouble, which it's not their fault for not knowing that at the time, mm-hmm. but it feels like such a no brainer now that you would just, the mm-hmm. Street Fighter art is great. Why would you, that's yeah. good. So team battles, maybe two versus two. Which is something you get in later in a bunch of later fighting games. Hmm. Like if you ever played um, Marvel versus Capcom mm-hmm. or those games, you, you in those you build a team of three and like you swap out. But here's the twist: when how they imagined it in 1992 was that all the characters would be on the screen at once. Oh, so because the, what they were saying is, well, we'd like this, but you'd have to change it so that your character could swap what direction they were looking, because there uh, ostensibly people behind them right. it'd be four characters right. at once. But this kind of chaotic four people on the screen in a 2d fighter what do you think about that idea um i don't mind it i think that could be pretty fun i think that's a very busy screen i think you would have to change the framing and something key about how big the sprites are on on screen um which might change the feel of the entire thing but i could imagine that being quite fun i mean i think that this is partially my smash training Mm -hmm. kicking in being like yeah i can see how that would work Sure. Yeah. That's like in my brain too. It's like okay, then at least that would give me the opportunity to just go and like attack the people who are who are like who have their backs to me. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, at least yeah. Probably get to the final two and then lose. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And finally, they did a bunch of things where they went through the characters and 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 uh, suggested some moves that they should have in the future. I'm not going to go through every one. I'm just going to go give you what they said for Chun Li because she was your your Great. character. Their suggestion for how you fix Chun Li it goes back to the fireball thing. Fix her. Well, Sir. to improve her, all right, is that her lightning kick should stop fireballs? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense unless it was like her her kicks are so fast they're creating wind that like she does have that wind fireball. Kick. Okay, everything has to fit within the kind of proof. a little okay. bit. Okay. Am I wrong? But yeah, okay. But those were those were that's what EGM wanted. They didn't get. Most of those things. <laughs> they got some. Of them. Um, okay, let's check in on your predictions. You did not the best. Yep. So we asked why Kano and Sonya weren't in Mortal Kombat 2. You thought they were both dead after being on a military mission together when they're actually arch rivals. They're not. Kano's on the military. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't remember that. Uh, yeah, so, so wrong and, and completely got their relationship wrong. Yeah, they're chained up in the outer world. 
in Outworld. Outworld. Yeah, with Shao Kahn, he's, he yeah. captured them. Yeah. Uh, and Jax is looking for, for Sonya. Um, you did nail what Melina's secret was. You said she had a monster face. She has a monster <laughs> yes, face. She does. Hell I can't yeah. believe you got that. <laughs> Proud. As if you defeat Shang Long, you I said, said yes. yes. You did not, because he does not exist. I asked, which of the following could you not do if we took into account all the games? Break a car, turn your opponent into a baby, hear some sweet techno music. You said baby. Yeah. You could, I was yeah, wrong. There was no techno music, sadly. Yeah. So upsetting. Um, I asked, which of the following can you only do in one of the series? Throw a fireball, electrocute your opponent, wall jump, fight a clone of yourself. You said fight a clone of yourself, which was wrong. The answer is wall jump. Yeah. Which you can only do in Street Fighter. Yeah. I asked you in Street Fighter, would you fight on the street? You said, said yes. Yeah. Which is correct. Yeah. But weren't you shocked at how few streets there were? I will say yes. I thought it was going to be more of a like brawl, like back alley brawling kind mm-hmm. of thing where you would, everything would be not so much in these like sometimes quite fancy. Well, like back glamorous. alley is not a street. Uh, sure. Yeah. If it was a back alley brawl fighter, you wouldn't have got that right. <laughs> oh my God. We would have, we would have been fighting. I we think Chun Li stage might be the only one that you can consider a street. It's quite clearly a street. Yeah, because, and there's that. Guy in his bicycle, and that's that's why I'll give it to you. Honestly, the Vegas stage also weirdly looks like oh, it's Vegas a in a cage. No, 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 not Vega. The Las Vegas. Oh, Las fight. Vegas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they're probably in a parking lot or something. Like that's kind of yeah. how it looks. Yeah, but anyway, mm-hmm. you do fight on a street. I was okay. right. Um, I asked you to pick one character from each game and tell you tell me why they're entering the tournament. Mm-hmm. You thought that Zangief was a Russian mobster sent to assassinate someone, but he just <laughs> wants to prove the strength of the Russian spirit. You know what? You really overthought that Fair. one. Fair. Um, you said that Scorpion is a demigod or not human, which is true. He's not yeah. human. I mean, he's, he's, he's like, like a, a skull. Yeah. He, he's kind undead of an undead. Yeah. But he has to win the tournament to be absolved of a curse, which is not true, but um, but you kind of get partial credit for that. Yeah, yeah. That's a half. Yeah. So you've kind of given these games scores on their own based on these other criteria. Do the do they get a one of the Michelle's overall scores? Yeah, so I, I think it would be weird for me to go and do the full uh, normal score treatment for each of these games individually. Okay. Like, we don't have eight minutes to spend on right. going through that. Um, so overall, instead, I'm going to give the fighting games experience, as exemplified by these two games, a 72. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just trust me. All right. Um, I think that's going to be it for us. Thank you so much for listening. Um, as usual, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's a huge help to us if you also tell a friend who might enjoy this. You can find show notes and other episode details on our website at neverwasagamer.com. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at neverwasagamer. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you next time when Michelle swaps her combat gear for a Hawaiian shirt and edgy cultural references as she heads to the sunny shores of a knockoff Miami, the next stop on her journey to becoming a gamer. <laughs>